748 on the Crosstalk on WIZM. I'll open this conversation the same way I did with Jen Rumbalski and with, uh, with, with everybody who is in charge of a different aspect of life these days. And that certainly includes our guest, Fire Chief Ken Gilliam. Good morning. How are things from your big chair this morning, Ken? Good morning, Mike and uh, Mark. It's good to chat with you guys this morning. Um, things are going well. I mean, all things considered, uh, kind of facing a something we haven't really planned for in an unprecedented uh, time in our history, and I, I think everybody's taking it in stride. And uh, yeah, a lot of things moving, and we're just trying to keep tabs on it all and, and keep it under control. Right. Well, and and what does that mean necessarily? It is an emergency of unprecedented scope, but it isn't. Uh, it isn't a house fire that you have to hurry to put out. It is. Uh, well, it's different. How does how do you uh, prepare for what might come, uh, especially when you don't know if it will come, when it will come, and what it might be? Well, uh, correct, and and I guess it's it's not if it'll come. It's here. I mean, they they're updating some numbers. We've got some uh, confirmed cases in the lacrosse area, and I think that's what's uh, just pulling the final gear down on the mayor shutting down city hall, the governor shutting down bars and restaurants, and and kind of the ripple effects of those impacts. Um, I think from my perspective, uh, we're certainly very quickly, I got with Jen Rombalski at County Health, and a a couple of us talked, and we got a joint information center set up. Uh, We're doing three-time-a-week webinars to get uh, Mayo, Gunderson, County, City, uh, different players, at least in a conversation for about an hour, so that we can get clear updates. Uh, We quickly uh, agreed to kind of model each other's social media feeds and, and and. Uh, feed off of county health information, getting updates from the CDC and their chains. Um, it's clearly a, a county or a public health crisis, I should say. I think on the, the far end of it is if it does ramp up where we are, an area of the state or the country where we start to see a lot of cases, uh, certainly my primary concern is the impacts on, you know, what if we start getting, you know, from 20 to 100 to 1,000 911 calls a day because people start getting sick. I'm hopeful that it doesn't get to that type of level, but that's kind of our game uh, on a day-to-day basis, just predicting risk and trying to get ahead of that curve. I think uh, to, to some of the steps that we've been taking, uh, we certainly, when the mayor's sending all City Hall home and closing things down, we're communicating with our police and fire personnel public works that are truly essential to keep the gears of the city running and saying, well, we're sending everybody home, but we're not sending you home. So tremendous amount of preparation, decontamination, things going on. Uh, We're trying to social distance with crews that have to ride around in trucks together. Um, I think uh, by about tomorrow, uh, we're going to be having some alternative locations to break up a couple of our stations where we maybe have two uh, fire apparatus running out of them. Uh, probably by tomorrow, we're going to have a fire unit running out of the lacrosse center. There's a lot of pieces that move with that, but we're trying to practice what we preach and get our, our personnel separated and, and get this thing under control and just try to contain the exposures as best as possible. Uh, I'm just I'm trying to imagine that uh, the kind of call you're getting 911 or you anticipate getting 911 calls from people saying, help, help, I have the flu. Well, yeah, certainly, and it'd probably be great. Uh, another uh, discussion idea for you would be to touch base with the uh, county dispatch at EDC there and, and talk to them about the statistics they're seeing. Right now, we're not seeing a tremendous uptick on that, but we are starting to hear some more, um, a few more calls than normal. Um, I think in the, in the weeks and months to come, it'll just be interesting to see how this curbs. That's why we can't stress enough. enough. We're not kidding around. It's, it's social isolation. Uh, try to wash your hands as much as possible. Don't stick your hands on your face when you haven't. And and really try to get this thing nipped because 
we got to prevent the spread. If the spread does occur, we're making steps to just get ahead of that curb. Uh, EMD, our emergency medical dispatching, uh, has activated their pandemic protocols as far as questions to ask. So they're screening now for uh, people that call in, and if they have those symptoms, we're working through steps to not necessarily send a fire truck and an ambulance and a squad car. If, if it's suspected that somebody's got that virus, we might send in fewer people or even triage those calls. Uh, so it's it's just a lot of moving pieces, and we're trying to get information out, and we're bombarding people with information, and it's sure. just moving really fast. But well, my job is kind of slow the tempo down and make sure we're all on the same page and, and making smart moves so we're not duplicating effort. Right, and that's uh, that's why I called you. Jen Rumbalski, who we speak to regularly, mentioned that she had been in a meeting with you, and I just wondered what uh, role the fire department calls uh, plays in a situation like that because you are emergency management, and if I have the flu... The fire department is way down the list of people I would call for help. I am told I'm supposed to call my health provider, call my doctor, or and speak to the nurse, tell them my symptoms. Then they tell me stay at home or come on, uh, come in at two o'clock, the back door, whatever, uh, or or call the fire department and get a ride over from emergency management people. I'm I'm still not sure. So help me understand, how does the fire department fig, fit into the, uh-oh, I think I have COVID-19, I better call somebody, 911? No, I got you, Mike. Yeah. So uh, I think, in and yeah, we're not really worried about the people calling in because they've got flu-like symptoms. Uh, you're going to get advice to probably sit at home unless you're really, you have failing health because right. of probably some other health complications. Something else, sure. Where we're at is we run a tremendous amount of volume. We've got EMTs and paramedics on all of our apparatus in the city running first response ahead of Tri-State Ambulance in partnership with them. Um, the fire department is more often than not the first unit on scene when there's a medical emergency in town. It's been that way for years. So all the normal accidents, you know, sprained ankles to heart attacks to difficulty breathing, those type of medical emergencies, which is about 80% of our call volume annually, those type of emergencies are still happening. Oh, okay. So if you're if we're working CPR in a patient and they have a COVID exposure, if we're working on someone with a sprained ankle and they have a COVID exposure, we're trying to protect our relatively limited number of responders so that all of a sudden I don't have a 50% reduction in staff because all of my firefighters are on quarantine. So all right, that's that... where we're taking steps to kind of divide and conquer and make sure we're we're taking full best practices precautions to protect our people. Kind of spooky, and I don't mean to make this sound uh, humorous, but when someone calls 911 and for however says, I've fallen and I can't get up, and, uh, and medical... Uh, uh, assistance comes dressed in a hazmat suit because you might be exposed yeah. to COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, we're certainly uh, we're seeing uh, efforts to gown up. Where I think a lot of our people are wearing glasses nonstop, gloves. I think the one of our critical things that we shared with County Health just yesterday is on the eastern side of the state. A lot of the emergency services entities are a couple weeks ahead of us on the curve. Uh, they're starting to run out of personal protective equipment. Right, that's all those barriers that protect us. The hospitals are in the same boat, and I think there's a national shortage going on. Uh, the federal government uh, just this week announced that they're kind of opening up probably some secret warehouses or something somewhere full of PPE for events like this. But there's a delay in, in getting that equipment to us. So right. uh, we're, we're, we're asking the questions and trying to push the issue to get our area of the state covered as quickly I, as possible. Uh, I certainly understand that. We'll stay in touch. I heard that this morning that for, uh, uh, and I guess I didn't know this, that there is a national stockpile of, of, uh, of that kind of equipment, masks and respirators, the necessary kind of masks 
the necessary respirators are stockpiled somewhere. And uh, some have been asking the administration to dig into that stockpile to help.